It's March 22, 2019. This is Acacia Thompson with Brooklyn Public Library's Greenpoint Oral History Project for Our Streets, Our Stories. I'm here on Kingsland Avenue with Paul Pulo. Hi, Paul. Hi, how are you? I'm well, thank you. Hey. So tell me, as a, as a, a Greenpointer, where did you grow up? I grew up on Wither Street, which is right on the border between Greenpoint and Williamsburg. I'm not exactly sure where the border is, but no one really knows, but... Uh, some people unofficially said it was Meeker Avenue, but that's not what the neighborhood thought. Right. And uh, where did you go to school? I went to school at St. Cecilia's for grammar school in Bishop Lachlan, and then St. John's University. Well, tell me, growing up in the neighborhood, uh, how did the environment have an influence on your life? Well, the neighborhood was a very mixed-use neighborhood. We had uh, trucks parked. We had garbage uh type of uh, surplus rags. There was all kinds of shops right next to the families. That's the kind of neighborhood it was. So you had everything from all kinds of businesses right next to people living. It, was, it wasn't was a fancy neighborhood. Um, right. And you became a business owner in the neighborhood as well. Well, my family, uh, very funny, but my my father was born at 199 Wither Street. My mother was born at 224 Wither Street. I was born, and my brother and sister, in the house at 200 Wither Street. I had aunts and uncles all on Wither Street, family and friends, so it's a, it was a very uh, unusual thing. So all we do is go, as a family, walk from one house to the next house. I'd go see my both sides of my grandmothers. My, and besides, my one of my grandmothers was born here, and the other one was... Uh, came in at six months old. So the family's been here a long time. My great-grandmother bought the house on Wither Street. And uh, it, was, it, it was a very interesting, very close-knit. My grandmother on my father's side delivered half of the neighborhood because she was a midwife. So the family was very involved in the neighborhood, even back then, being a midwife. Right. So it was a natural thing to have a business here? It was a natural thing. Again, my... A lot of my uncles had been uh, in the coal business. And on Wither Street, there used to be a coal yard, uh, but my father and my uncle started an oil business in the 40s. Uh, they saw it as the new thing, as opposed to coal, which was a lot, a lot dirtier. So uh, I grew up, uh, the trucks were parked actually on Wither Street. And uh, my father would go out and deliver oil Sometimes you'd go fix oil burners, and they would put, a lot of the buildings were not heated, so they were putting in central heating systems back then. And I actually, as a kid, worked on some of those installations. Then when I got my license, they made me go out and do boiler cleanings and uh, fix oil burners and things like that. So, but I was, growing up, uh, we were told we could not go in the oil business. We had to get an education and do something different. So I, I graduated college. I went to work for Dun & Bradstreet, but I was always helping out in the oil business. And uh, eventually started my own business uh, separate from my father's, and then we ended up merging it later on. So I, I, that's how I got into the oil business. I saw an opportunity for something. Um, we, we got very involved in biodiesel. We tried to be a progressive company, and it was a neighborhood company. It wasn't like this big oil company. Everybody hates big oil. We were always a family company in Greenpoint. 
always try to support everybody. So it's, it's been a very good thing. And so when did you come to this part of Greenpoint and put Metro here? We used to be on Apollo Street. We went from Wither Street to Apollo Street, and then we moved here in 85. Mm -hmm. This was an abandoned, two parts to this. We bought this building in 85. It was an abandoned building that was just part of uh, the, the uh, storage building next door, which is, used to be a glue factory. So we took this and we totally redid it. And people were surprised when they came in this building how nice it was being in Greenpoint. Again, it was the 80s and this street was, there was no sidewalks, there was no fire hydrants. We totally re got it redone. I made them put fire hydrants in. I think that's one of the reasons I think I started getting involved with everything <laughs> because they were, it was just uh, the dead end of the world here. And uh, you can see now, it's, it, I'm very proud that someday we're going to be able to walk through here and go to the nature walk. Right. Can you briefly talk about the nature walk here and that access that's going to happen? Well, to I've been on the Newtown Creek Monitoring Committee since the 90s. And uh, the nature walk, we fought very hard for a little piece of land, but it's, it's a great we don't have many pieces, so we, we needed whatever we could get. And this was for us to have access to uh, the creek and to have uh, all kinds of plantings and gardens and stuff. It, to, to us, it was a well-fought fight to get it. And there's been ups and downs with it. I mean, the plant by itself, I used to work here, and you could vomit in the summer because the smell was so bad. We fought for covered digesters. We, we fought for all these things that... Uh, Irene Klemetovich, Christine Halvard, we've all, you know, greatly fought for the community in this respect. And it has paid off. It really, it doesn't smell anymore. That it's a show place now. Before it was a garbage dump, now it's a show place. Could you speak a little bit about your experience with Newtown Creek Alliance? Yes. I'm, again, I've been on the creek. My father actually told me he swam in the creek years ago. He must have been nuts, but he said he swam in the creek. Uh, they... Uh, years ago, being here, I would see the creek some days being neon colors. Uh, there was a company, Phelps Dodge, up there. They told me that's supposedly where it was coming from. They're not there anymore, but they would put all kinds of stuff in the creek and truly neon, oranges, greens, all kinds of colors. And you know, you don't know what they were getting. Uh, I've seen a big improvement in the creek over the years. Uh, I've been on river keepers boats. We've been on with Mitch Waxman and all these, you know, all the groups uh, going on these tours. And some, it's nice to see birds and fish and crabs. And it has gotten a lot better. I mean, there's a lot of work to be done. There's no question about it. But just stopping the, the runoff and, and it has made a big effect on the creek already. And, you know, for our kids and, our, and, the, and their kids, it'll gonna get a lot better. And so, how, and your relationship with the creek, uh, with your business being right here, can you talk about how yes. your business works here on the creek? We bought the place in eighty, uh, like I said, in eighty. This is eighty-five. This happened to be a very well-built terminal. The good thing, about, and I've been to a lot of terminals in my life, all over the country, and actually the world. But this one goes back to the twenties. I have records going certain tanks that were here. Uh, when it was built, every tank here has secondary containment. What that means is that there's a tank within a tank. So every tank has another tank around it. So if, if the tank were to leak, it would just go into the second tank. 
That's very unusual. Like across the street where ExxonMobil was with the, prior to them building the, the plant, all the tanks are in a one big lot, basically in a yard. Uh, and if one tank were to leak, it's just going to get going to the whole this tremendously big area. And if there was a fire, they would all kind of catch fire. Here it's different. Every tank is surrounded by either a concrete wall or a tank with a steel tank within a tank. And they, none of the tanks are on dirt. They were built on concrete. And that's where you get the corrosion and the leaks also. So for whatever reason, this was built right. And the other thing was there was no underground piping. All the piping was above ground. Uh, so we can see everything. And, you know, being a family-run business and knowing the liabilities of having an oil company, um, I personally have made sure that this place uh, was always run right. And if there was a leak here, you would even you would know it right away because monthly, there's, they call it site wells. There's five of them on this property where there's a, a well that goes to the water table and it's tested monthly and the DEC gets the reports. So if there was any kind of groundwater that was contaminated by oil, it would be picked up right away in the groundwater. We don't have any of those issues here. When uh, the DEC was building, well, actually, when the DEC was involved with the, uh, the Exxon plant across the street, I remember his name. His name was Anthony Sagona. He was the DEC person in charge. And he said, Paul, you should probably put in another site well because if they're, if they're going to do all that excavation across the way, there was a plume on the other. There was a, so... I, I did what he said, but I also, as a committee member, made sure that when they did the excavation, they put sheet piling around the perimeter. So no matter what they did inside, it couldn't go out into the neighborhood. So that, that, that was a big thing we fought for there. So tell me about the Union Porcelain Works. Uh, in 1981, uh, my brother and I bought a, a piece of property on McGinnis Boulevard that was, uh, it was called Diamond Rio Truck Sales. And it was, a, it was a truck dealership. And we operated that for some years for our business. And then people thought I was crazy, but I wanted to turn it into a shopping center. They said, no, you can never rent to anybody in Greenpoint. It's just, it's never going to happen. I said I wanted to put major tenants in there. And we ended up fixing it up, and I was able to get Blockbuster, which was really the first brand name company to come here uh, in, a, in a long time. So I put Blockbuster in and then we rented it to a pool hall. And uh, But because I bought it back then, I did a lot of research on the property. We had done, a, of course you do environmental surveys and stuff like that, but back then it wasn't, there was, there was no problems. But what happened is I found out that this was the site of Union Porcelain Works, which was a very famous porcelain a manufacturer. Um, the man's name was Smith. He lived in Greenpoint. Uh, his house is actually um, the church on. It's uh, it was a mansion, and it's the food kitchen where she where uh, they serve food to. Uh, but it's a church on. Uh, maybe Euron Street or one of those streets there. Uh, we, when we dug the foundations to do some work, all we did was find porcelain in the ground. And I, I started to look more and more, and we found out that 
some of the foundations on Eckford Street, the sand was mixed with porcelain. They must have used all this porcelain. So, so there are pieces uh, in the Brooklyn Museum. There, there are a lot of museums that have Brooklyn Union Porcelain Works pieces. So it's a very interesting thing. And it was built right on that site. They knocked it down and they built uh, the truck dealership, which actually used to be a barn before that. So it's, it, it was a very interesting thing. But Greenpoint had a lot of porcelain. Uh, there was such good sand on the on Newtown Creek and, and the East River that they were making porcelain out of it. That's how clean Newtown Creek was in the 1800s, that, that they could be making porcelain like this. So uh, there's a lot of interesting things in Greenpoint, but people, there's a lot of history here. And uh, like I said, I, I actually have a little collection of my own of porcelain pieces. That, uh, I'm not sure what I'm going to do. Maybe I'll get, maybe I'll donate them to the Brooklyn Museum or not. But I, I find it very interesting. That's all I'll say. <laughs> and I'm proud. You know, I'm proud that Greenpoint has so much history. I mean, you have the Astral Hotel. I mean, the Astral Building. You have so many different spots that if you just look around and find them, you'll you could be amazed on all the history here. My history is here. My family is here. Uh, I was I worked to work on the community board and the community chair knew my grandmother. I mean this this is how far the family goes back. I mean, again that building is the YMCA building has been there since 1906. I was there at five years old because my cousin worked at the Y back then. So I, I I swam in the pool. My kids swam in the pool. My kids have lived in Greenpoint. My grandmother, my great grandmother lived in Greenpoint. So the family's been here a long time, and I'm just this is my home. It really is. Uh, I sleep somewhere else sometimes, but this is my home. Um, I'm happy to see uh, all the progress. The creek has gotten so much better. Uh, the, the smells from the, the sewage plant, the upgrades, the billions of dollars we spent there. Uh, it is a show place now. It's something that the city could be proud of. Uh, and, we, and, and the community is still fighting for minor things, so, you know, signage for people to know, fences that they're putting up for the plant, this little gateway to Greenpoint that we're now working on. Uh, I think that's the first thing people are going to see. And it's very important that we do a nice job there. And like I said, we don't have uh, some large parks in this right right around here, but these little, little pilot parks, whatever you want to call them, pocket parks, uh, are, are, every little piece is important. Uh, the waterfront is the Domino. Domino is a great park down there. I mean, the waterfront. I'm looking forward to all that. Had we gotten the Olympics, it would all been built already, but uh, we didn't quite make that. But uh, you have a lot of people here in this community that fight for it, and uh, they're going to keep fighting, and it's worth it. Well, thank you for sharing your story with me, Paul. My pleasure.